let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaming and everything in its orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim. So let's get into this. Today we're joined by a special guest. You know them, you love them. It's Matthew Langston. Oh, Matthew, baby. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Well, because you 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 know I've talked a little bit. You write some pretty pretty good fiction. Thank so you. and and when we were talking a little bit and just like, oh very excited. <laughs> very excited to just ooh, get into all of this with you. And Tim, that's the topic of today, isn't it? Gainer fiction. Yes, gainer fiction, which is something that I think might have been one of my like earliest introductions to the gaining community. I feel like there's quite a few people who could claim the same. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, fiction's got to be at the the core of how all of us uh, engage with the fetish, especially when we were underage and interacting online. You know, fiction was completely the way, at least for me, that I came to framework the, my entire understanding of the fetish. I, I mean, before we really kick into things, I mean, Matthew, obviously you write you quite quite a lot. What was your introduction to gaining? Was it fiction? It was mainly the same way, yeah. I remember back in high school, I somehow ended up on BP Frat when it was still really a more working social website. And of course, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't fake my age for the profile for the little bit I was on there, but after that was done, I honestly, that was in high school. I forgot about it for the most part until like 2013, 2014, when I was trying to find like chubby guy porn online and just found the erotica and it all kind of like made sense that were how I felt as a kid where it's like, I remember this yesterday. I apparently was doing a lot of padding when I was a kid, not even knowing what it was until I started reading gainer fiction like six years ago, seven. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, you don't, you don't think about those connections and then something just like a light switches on and you go, oh my God, I really have just been into this forever, which is- Yeah, like it definitely all connected the dots I've had since I was like a kid. So it all really made sense like the last five years. So it, it sounds to me like it really resonates with you then, like gain of fiction kind of draws this- uh, almost, almost like a psychic link to your modern sexual understanding of yourself and your own personal goals and desires, all the way back through to this child who really had no context for anything and everything they did was wholly innocent. Do you think that that's something that maybe more than a few of us experience? It's probably definitely something a lot of us experience. Like my thing is when I was a kid, I always looked at the chubbier guys just in general. And that always went through school, high school, definitely, especially in the locker room. And then once I started dating and my taste of guys was still like, I date all over the place, but it still leans to the chubbier side. And I just kind of thought, oh, I'm just probably your typical chubby chaser. Like it's probably just the only thing I'm into until once I found the stories on a few websites, then it started to connect, oh, well, here's why I paid more attention to this guy senior year of high school versus when he was a little bit thinner freshman year or whatever. So definitely, I feel like a lot of us would probably um, 
have that same connection once they found out about the erotica or the community then they drew the pinpoints to their past that oh now it all kind of sums up to what this is now no that makes sense to me i mean tim i always like to throw to you as someone who's had a bit more uh timeliness in the community than myself you know like mm-hmm. what do you note about kind of like introductions to the community was it also very like fiction focus because i feel like today it's about image because it is yeah instagram would you have said that's how it was before with story well so like when i when i discovered say like the old belly builders website like they did have profiles with pictures and everything but they also had like the story section and gainer web had the same thing and i specifically remember gainer web's collection of stories was pretty extensive and a lot of them were like um, the ones that Warren Davis ended up doing illustrations for, you know, so like Doughboys and Joining the Force and uh, Burger King and like all those, you know. And then I remember there were a couple other stories that just got me hooked. Like there was this one about Batman getting fat, like the Joker injected him with some kind of serum that would make him gain weight and everything. (laughs) And that actually got me to stick around because the images were great, but like there were people who posted very infrequently and so I, it was like, come for the, you know, the images of the guys getting bigger, stay for the stories, you know? And I feel like there was more of a focus on fiction back then because, which was probably a holdover from the days before the web when, you know, things were being sent out on like newsletters and mimeographs and you may, you might get one image and then just a bunch of like testimonials and stories. Good point actually, you know, that this, this hallmark in our community of how we focus and function could be very much just like this old holdover from the fact that once upon a time, everything was newsletters, everything was zines and pamphlets and these, um, what was it called? The Inquirer? Is that- well, that one was an actual like website and they did have images. They had like doctored images and then they had like, they would just grab like paparazzi photos of celebrities that had gained weight. Now, those were some of my favorite Yahoo groups. You'll, you'll remember the Yahoo groups because that's mm-hmm. where like, when I, I found Gainerweb when I was 12 and then, you know, had to like, for, for, I don't know what this is, mom. It's a random pop-up to ignore everything. And then, you know, Yahoo groups, <laughs> Yahoo groups rediscovered all that, loved it. But then, you know, there were just Yahoo groups of fat male celebs and it was all these before and afters. Like, I think it was right around that time, Kevin Federline K fat that was a huge thing and it was all the photos of him like massive belly like these gigantic white drop shirts he was huge in it and it was just like oh my god this is the fattest human that has ever lived holy shit my mind is blown now realizing that i possibly way more than him which is yeah. <laughs> crazy to reflect on oh my gosh just as a random sidebar if you ever uh, stumble upon old inspirational images of celebs or gainers uh, back from when you first started and went golly gee willikers one day when i'm that big and you realize you're bigger than that now and you still think you're skinny oof the dysmorphia is real girl <laughs> she's real but i digress um so I kind of want to know, tell me what are some of the most iconic stories you remember from when you first joined the community? So a lot of my first iconic ones were Warren Davis because that one at least had some form of photo imagery with it. 
because a lot of what I'm still seeing now and a lot of my earlier works that I read and at least wrote were just strictly blank, no artistic value other than just the story themselves. So these are the Warren Davis. It was like Belly Boy with a Badge. I think that's the title. It was Doughboys. And then when I started like digging deeper into like the gainer hole on Google, that's when I found like the house guest, the hungry house guest chatting with Baz. And a lot of the ones were probably more known for reading. Mm. That's really cool. Uh, Tim, what about for you? I remember there was this series of stories called The Journal. It was like an ongoing series about like a kid in high school discovering that whatever he wrote in this journal, it would come true. And he happened to be a fat fetishist. So like in one chapter, like he's passing a construction site and he decides to like write down like every guy gets a wish or every guy gets to reach his like ideal body or whatever. And then it switches over to the guys at the construction site. And then like one guy keeps getting fatter and explicably and one guy like grows a bunch of body hair and like it's, you know, but it was like an ongoing thing. Like at one point the kids at a truck stop and does the same thing. And then he's like, in the locker room and then right you know so like i liked that it was like this anthology series i don't know who penned it i do know that it's currently on the belly builders website i mean look warren davis can we can we just is there anything and and i I, well and and the thing i think we we should mention though is like he was the artist but not the author like the author was a guy named cube I learned this recently in one of our episodes. I was like, what? My whole life, I was like, somehow in the in the Gainer universe, there was nothing. And then the god of gaining, Warren Davis, appeared and he created both story and image. And in his name, we worship the fat body. Amen. Like that was just the the linear image in my mind. But no, my whole my whole theology is 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 shattered. <laughs> it's a pantheon of creators. Um, which is probably for the best, but um, no, you all keep mentioning Doughboys, and 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 Doughboys was was very much it for me. I think I actually confessed to this on an earlier episode of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> Doughboys was the first thing that ever made me uh, come. It just, yeah, and and I remember the point in the story as well. And I think I said this at the time. It's you know after the first like orgy night where he gets like kind of seduced and he goes home and he showers. He's like, I'm not going to be like the rest of those bat bucks. I'm going to get it together. He goes in early the next day to work and he comes across the former new guy who's packed on the pounds, who convinces him to sit down and relax and have some biscuits. You know, you got to have that fresh vanilla creamy ice cream. And it's this moment where he's just letting go. And in that last moment of control that he's desperately holding on to, the guy just says, give up. That's why you came back here. Just give up. And that was it for me. That was it for my body. My body was like, this is what we came here for. This is what we are on the planet Earth for, God damn it. And that has very much informed uh, a lot of my preferred gainer interactions ever since. <laughs> I think I had the same experience with Fat Burger. Oh, Oh, Belly Boy with a Badge, The Feast of San Gennaro. Oh, my God. Just, just. All fucking iconic, I swear. Every single one. Like, even even if you picked one that you were like, oh, this is like my least favorite. It's still incredible. Exactly. So I, I love this sort of nostalgic trip 
down memory lane, right? Because I think, yes, we all know these stories. We all affiliate them with Warren Davis. It's all very that. But I'm kind of curious to know for you, like, do you read and discover much in terms of like modern fiction, like new stuff that people are writing? I'm not sure. I honestly don't remember the last time I tried finding any good gay neurotica. It's it's definitely been a while between school and writing it and work. I haven't had time to read much of anything, let alone gainer fiction. Um, I think a lot of the newer stuff I was reading was still being posted to DeviantArt maybe two, three years ago. But my thing is I really go back to my favorite ones. So I haven't made it a point to look for anything new. Like I still go to a lot of the same ones I was reading five, six years ago. It's interesting, isn't it? It's sort of like they hold a place in your mind and in your heart in this weirdly affectionate kind of a way. Like, you know how it starts, you know where it progresses, you know where it ends. No, there's nothing new there, but there is something very familiar and comforting in knowing the story and the way that it happens. But also there's almost like this ritualistic element to it almost like how I say oh I can read Doughboys and I know every time I have reread Doughboys I feel the exact same way at the exact same point in the story every single time so I wonder if there's like this ritualistic element when it comes to story writing that as gainers we don't acknowledge necessarily that we're sort of like coding back to our fetishes in a sense we are sort of engaging with this uh, unspoken internalized creature that desires the gains if that makes sense I think it, I think it makes sense like I definitely feel a lot stronger connection with a lot of the stories I read a few years ago and then I still discover random ones here and there that are still like they do it for me it fully still resonates everything with me from those few years ago it's just at least for me there's a lot of comfortable comfortability with it Whereas not only, yeah, obviously it gets the job done. Otherwise I wouldn't keep coming back to these, but also they're the ones I worship the most in regards to what made me realize everything about the community, about myself, about the kink. And I just love the fact that it still gives me that weird butterfly feeling that it's putting everything back together for me again, even a few years later. Like for me watching the last Harry Potter movie, all the butterflies, like the last hour and a half, it's the exact same feeling as going back to one of those. And even when I first discovered them in the first place. Nice. So, I mean, let me ask you, do you think the fiction we eroticize, do you think it informs or influences our kinks or the way how we interact with our own gaining fetishes? Because like I said before, I know it does for me, but do you think that that might be the same for everyone? It might be. I mean, at least for me, like I had said, it helped me really put a name to everything. Like there was a website I discovered that I actually tried finding a few nights ago. I think it's gainer.com, gainer web something, where back then it used to have a list of just the definitions as to what a gainer was, what's a feeder, a feedy, all like the different subgenres of it. And that at least put everything into view at like, I think age 21 for me as to what everything was. But then as I started getting a little bit older, my sexual interest took a turn. I really started exploring this a lot more than I had as a teen when you first actually start having sex. Um, It at least still broadened my horizons and made me think of stuff I had never really thought of. Like, I think had I never read a story with somebody being funnel fed, I probably never would have done it. 
because it just sounded so hot with how it was written that I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. And I did. Um, it definitely helped inform me of what the kink was, how to define it, but then also how far do I take it from here? Right. Like, didn't just inform what you might enjoy. It also kind of gave you a framework of there are some limitations here as well. So there's like a safety net. It's not like a throw yourself into this and you could wind up dead. It's more like a tippy toe and you can have a good time and then you can step away from again and kind of go about your business. Exactly. And it definitely helped me. It was kind of like more like a, some of them were more of like a guidebook to me in a sense. Like I knew from like, obviously like age 22 that there's no pill to magically make you gain 10 pounds a week. But then it was more like the realistic ones where it's like, oh, a guy will stuff himself like crazy. But then when he goes to bed every two hours, drinks two boosts, goes back to bed. And like, at least in that story, it helped like count his calories and his exact markings. So I did definitely try to emulate that when I moved out of my parents' house. It didn't really work, but it was more like kind of like a guidebook in a sense. At least a few of them were. And then I started liking the fantasy ones a lot more. Yeah, I, I really enjoy some of the more nonsensical or unrealistic ones like, you know, the instantaneous weight gain or, you know, um, it's like the science fiction because I'm also a macrophile. So obviously that exists only in the world of fetishism that that can't be a realistic thing. So the gainer macro stories I've read, you know, like, of course, those are like top tier for me, but totally unrealistic. Can't do that in real life. <clears> hmm. <throat> For some reason, I just, I, uh, I had this picture of, um, have you all ever seen The Nutty Professor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the nightmare scene where he becomes like yeah. this giant fat creature, like waddling about the city, like going to eat, you know, the, the lady. And I'm like, that's Tim. He's like, whoa. <laughs> Not on me. I never actually fantasized about it happening to me, just being able to witness it happening to someone else. Just like standing, standing back, like you're on the seashore. The city is in ruins and in flames, but you're on the beach. In fact, you're maybe maybe you're a little dingy, just whipping it out like, yeah, I can see <laughs> everything I need to from here, but I am in no danger of being crushed and or eaten. <laughs> sensible. See, even even in even in the most unrealistic of fetishes, sensible, sensible. Yeah, I don't I don't incorporate death into my fantasy. So <laughs> same. I I don't incorporate any form of realism with mine, like diabetes heart attacks heart failure none all of that i just bypass it completely now that's that's an interesting point to make because probably one of the only other really prolific named authors is of course lardville or dotub because he writes a lot of very extreme porn which again i can think of a couple of stories that i just go oh I'm kind of interested to know, Matthew, because you do write your own fiction, what your take is on that. I mean, I can definitely say I had to look it up a little bit because I didn't know much about Dotub. And I had seen some of the artwork posted literally everywhere. It's not my sort of thing as far as imagery or story wise, though I did read one of his that I liked up until the point where it got a little too real for me. I think my thing is with fiction it still has to have that I I might sound like an optimist it has to have that happy ending with me and if I'm reading gainer fiction it's got to not be too realistic I mean at least for me I hit 250 pounds I've been here for a little bit my grandmother's up my ass whenever she sees me about my weight and it was never a thing until my mom's like well you know we have a family history of diabetes and your weight's a little up there 
So I have that in the back of my head. I can't physically read or write anything that has that hint of realism in it. Otherwise, it kind of kills it all for me. I understand that. There is there is something to be said about the escapism of fiction. You know, you want something to be a little bit too fantastic. You know, like I, <clears throat> even when I read regular stuff, I tend to like things that are, you know, in the fantasies, sci-fi, horror, something kind of genre where there is, an element of the fantastic because the sort of pedestrian everyday dramatic stuff is like, eh, you know, it's like my, my real life is already like this. Like I, I, I want some escapism. Exactly. And definitely during the last four years of the election and the year and a half of COVID we've had, you don't want to read something that's morbid or even too realistic because it still has the same hints of, Oh, this is in the everyday. It's not going to really help you escape at all. No, that makes sense. I mean, Harry Potter, you mentioned before, is the perfect example. It's the story about a boy who's living an unhappy life. He's miserable. He's normal. He's bullied. And then what does he get? He basically gets the Willy Wonka golden ticket to the magical chocolate factory. He gets the chance of a lifetime to leave it all behind and step into a world in which not only is magic real, but he's also special and he's the center of attention and he becomes the center of his own universe. And He found out that he was Jesus all along. <laughs> and I don't know, like there is something very, very, you know, like maybe it's narcissistic, but I don't think that's wrong to want. I think we all low-key want to discover that we're all like the long lost heir to the Atlantean throne and we'll suddenly be thrust into the spotlight and the weight of the world on our shoulders, but somehow we'll be able to manage everything and pull it off with a flare, you know, and a flick of the wand and a swish of the cloak. And, but it makes perfect sense. You read fantasy to engage in the fiction element of it, which kind of makes me curious because so many gainers relate their understanding of the entirety of how gaining works to fiction. Like you said, you read fiction, it gave you the confidence to approach it and learn it, but you probably didn't think, oh, the story said X, Y, Z, therefore X, Y, Z. You probably thought the story said X, Y, Z. I like the sound of that. And I might discover X, Y, Z, A, B, C, which is a little bit different, but that's the reality. Um, Whereas I think some people do get caught up in the fantasy and the fiction element of it. And then they think, oh, well, this is this is how it's supposed to work. You're not a real gainer if you can't eat six pizzas in one sitting. I mean, you're not even trying if you can't do that. Um, do you think sometimes people rely too heavily on fiction? I mean, I know I still do. I rely too heavily on fiction and then more specifically, a lot of what I've seen other gainers do in the real world outside the written page where it's like, oh, I can watch this guy drink an entire blender full of like milkshake, but I can't even drink five booze without throwing up, which I've tried and got pretty much to that point. At least with the fiction, I can still kind of discern, oh, this is still realistic, even if it is still fantasy fiction or even realistic fiction, where I at least know my own limitations with it. But that, I don't think that means I still can't enjoy that aspect of the story and still have that fantasy. Oh yeah, I can be fed nonstop for three days and not feel hungry for a week afterwards it's not going to happen but the idea of it is still nice to in some ways still want Mm. i I think people do kind of excuse me do get kind of caught up in the fictional aspect of it sometimes because like you guys were just saying just because you read a story about it doesn't mean it's it's necessarily possible you know, and especially in a lot of those stories that the Warren Davis artwork corresponds to, 
I mean, people aren't shaped that way for one thing. And mm. two, um, you know, like, like with say fat burger, you know, where the guy pours like a hunger stimulant into a, like a diet Coke or whatever. And then all of a sudden the jaw can't stop eating and he just keeps eating and eating and eating. But I mean, a normal human, their stomach would explode or they'd throw up like it's, you know, and, uh, I, I feel like people latch on to those, those fantasy elements and try to incorporate them when they first meet another gainer. You know, where they think, oh, like James was saying, oh, what do you mean you can't eat six pieces? I thought that's what gainers do. <clears throat> or even little things like, um, it, I, I've said this before, it amazes me how often I hear that I'm the first gainer that somebody meets. And back when I used to live in Perth, Western Australia, middle of bumfuck nowhere, yeah, that makes sense. There's hardly anyone around. But I've had that a good five or six times here in London and I've only hit three years in London as of like COVID lockdown. Like outside of lockdown, I was here for a year and a bit, year and a half, if that. So most of that happened in that first period of time. And then I think to myself, well, why is that? Why are so many people not meeting gainers? Why are so many people coming to me? And then I realized, well, I am open to meeting up with people and I make the effort. And then if I reflect on how many instances I actually went and I was trying to encourage and say, yeah, let's go get a coffee or go get a beer if we're feeling adventurous. And then it's very in the sort of vein of a hookup, like, oh, I thought you'd like want to come over and eat. And it's like, I don't know you, mate. Like, gain a sex is still sex. And maybe some people are comfortable with the sort of, I don't know you, you could be a psycho murderer. Maybe you're not. Let's hook up and find out. I'm more of the vein of I want to meet you first and I want to meet you face to face, look you in the eyeballs in a public setting so that if you're fucked, I can get away and feel perfectly justified in doing so. Uh, just I feel me. a little attacked by that comment about, oh, let's just meet up and see if you're a psychopath. <laughs> uh, what do you want about, mate? We're meeting up on a cruise, okay? I know, but I've, I've now been speaking to you for a year. And, like, I you know, it's when I got desperate and I really needed some fat boy in my life, you know, I, was, I wasn't really vetting them too thoroughly. Yeah, but that's... I mean, I've, I've done the same thing. Legit, I met up with one in Connecticut when I was still there. It was just a random thing and he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to go out. He was a pretty big dude and I'm like, I'll buy you like four McDoubles if you want to hang out and that was like the leading point was just chilling in his car for three hours was I just bought him food. I mean, I think that's also fine. What I'm saying is more like getting a specific meetup. I think there's a, to my mind, I see that as a bit of a difference. Like, I've had plenty of hookups with fat boys randomly and they've been perfectly fine because it's all been about body worship and just having a good time. That's cool. I think for me, when it comes down to gainers specifically, and usually people you meet on Gromma, I like an opportunity to vet people because I think from experience, so many people get so wrapped up and invested in that fantasy element that if you don't sort of give them an opportunity to settle first, things can get a little bit tenuous in private. And that that's just my experience. You know, like I say, I like to give myself the opportunity to get away if things get a bit much, but maybe, maybe that's been a bit different for other people. In which case, lucky bastards. I'd like to meet more chill gainers who are up for a romp very much. And 
I'm double vaccinated. I'm here for a good time. Please. <laughs> it's been two years. <laughs> the viewers, I mean, the listeners can't see it, but now all of a sudden the like James's phone number is flashing at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. <laughs> you don't know this, but like, I've already like personal messaged uh, both Matthew and Tim, my, my location and address. I've given them both address code and, uh, and a stipend of uh, $50 each to, to buy me food. <laughs> Once I have my passport, I'm over there. Trust me. Hey, but seriously, come and have a party. I think it'd be fun. Do you think good fiction needs to be accompanied by good artwork? I don't think it needs to be accompanied by good artwork, but I feel like as a yes and no, it can either do justice to what you're reading or it can really hinder it. Because I've had moments, my first several stories were just me writing and posting on Tumblr. And they still got really good traction. And of course, once you post a picture to it, it's going to get even more traction. Because like one of my first ones was a really good story I wrote with Gainer Picnic. And of course, he is one of like the big guys in the community, literally and figuratively speaking, where oh. everybody knows who he is. It's all going to get retweeted. It's all going to get liked, which it did. So at least I know, oh, adding pictures, I get more eyeballs on it. But then you have to think, if I'm adding the pictures, am I just getting the posts and the retweets for the photo itself? Who's even reading the stories? It wasn't until I started getting comments, oh, I love this story. And I'm like, but you see the 400 pound fat guy attached to it. Are you sure you don't just like the picture? No, no, no. I love the story. The picture really helped. So I feel like in regards to your question, it could go one of both ways. Either it will really enhance the story whereas it gives you something to look at or it's going to hinder it as far as are they reading it or they're looking at the picture or you kind of take away that little bit of imagination with it where oh i could write the best thing ever and you're going to see whatever fat guy you plug into the story versus me posting a picture of one of you guys with the story and like oh he's not really who i imagined or he doesn't really fit the story i think it can go kind of both ways I don't think it necessarily has to have artwork to be considered good because um, Z Mario Tax, the author that I always go to for the gainer macro fiction, he doesn't have any illustrations to accompany his work, but I mean, hell, they are fucking hot stories. I would love if somebody somewhere would take it upon themselves to illustrate his stories, but um, it hasn't happened yet. So there's a person that comes to mind for me. He goes by the jock snatcher he's pretty prolific on tumblr and i think doing twitter these days he's got a uh, i think he's got a patreon too actually yeah i think i think a lot of people have got patreon now anyways but uh he's probably a good example of how he will take pictures of i think well-known gainers and write these fiction stories with names and stats and scenarios that like because they're well-known gainers we know like that's not their name we know that's not the scenario but he's taken their image captured in this moment and he's sort of gone, if you put a story to this and then you look at them in a new light, you can actually kind of go, oh, like you really can be inspired by this image and be transported into the world of the story. Even though it's something from a completely different context, it's quite a skill. So I think you're right. I think it it's a yes and a no. Sometimes it accompanies and it works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we of course stand good artwork and love good stories that go with them. Um, <clears throat> I think, to be fair, I think I said this before. A lot of us <laughs> have tried our hand at writing gain of fiction. What inspires a good story 
And what encourages an author to complete the tale? So I can say, at least for me, a lot of my inspiration comes from honestly working in retail. Because once you're working in a Walmart or a Target, you see every damn person under the sun, every body type, all hair, no hair, all gut, all moob, pear-shaped, reverse pear-shaped, like you're going to see it all. Like I had a series on my Tumblr, I think it was just called uh, The Chubs I See at Work, because it's just as basic as it can be. But it is legit. I would notice somebody huge or attractive, ex-jock, whatever. And that was honestly the inspiration for the entire series. Now it's more so, because I'm still, you know, in lockdown, it's whoever I happen to see on TV or I'm scrolling through Instagram. That's honestly what caused me to start posting pictures with my artwork was that everybody on Instagram and grammar, that was the inspiration for me to write something about it. It might've been the best thing, but it's like, I could take a look at this person, write like an entire monologue. And then that was the only inspiration I needed. Mm. Um, yeah, I forgot your second question, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. What do you think encourages an author to complete the tale? Oh, just getting the shit done. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've had so many moments, at least writing the first book, it dragged on because I couldn't finish it. My thing is, I love writing. I love putting it all together as chapters, interviews, what have you. I love doing it. Editing it, I can't do. That's where it stops for me is editing it, rereading it judging all my work my thing is i'm like you know what shut the fuck up sit at your computer and just finish it once it's out take your break smoke drink whatever just get get it done my thing is getting it to the masses that is the last push i ever have like i hate doing all the editing all the finishing but once it's like oh it's on amazon it's on tumblr it's on instagram or whatever that is the last push is getting it to where somebody can actually see it I, I, thought I mean, I've I've dabbled a little bit in the world of writing both regular gainer fiction and of some macro gainer fiction, which I will not plug because I'm not very proud of it. So if you go looking for it, you're really going to have to like search for it. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I can resonate with the whole like sit down and finish it thing because I have a really hard time like finishing a story, like even if I know how it's going to end. Because that's like my number one thing. I won't start to write a story unless I know how it's going to end. And then it's just basically filling in all the bits to write up until the ending. And like, because I have a fan fiction out there that's like seven years old that I haven't finished writing. To be fair, I have a Harry Potter one that I said I was going to start. I haven't started it yet. I will do though. I I always said I was going to commit to doing it and I want to set aside some time. I have plenty of ideas of things that I would like to write, mostly fan fictions, because I know that like it's like, oh, how pathetic a 38 year old that's writing fan fiction. But (laughs) but I have them in my head and I'm like, I don't know, maybe someday I'll finally commit them to the page. But no, I don't think pathetic at all. Gosh, I mean, by that logic, Tolkien was a pathetic noob for daring to write Elvish, a whole language, God, loser, too much time in his hands. Well, there's a difference between creating an entirely new world that no one has ever, like, you know, delved into in fiction and then just biting off of other people's ideas and putting them in different scenarios. But maybe that's the good thing, because you already kind of have, like, all the plot holes filled in where it's like, say, for example, if you're doing one where 
Daredevil fans up Spider-Man. You already have the two iconic characters. You know the backstory. It's not like... And that's why I found fan fiction a lot easier to write because it's already an established IP. You already know these characters and you know their their backstories and histories. So it's just exactly. taking them and putting them into a different situation. I mean, yeah. not quite fan fiction, but, you know, Pokemon is an example of this. Years ago on Tumblr, a meme started amongst designers and artists who loved Pokemon. They called them regional variants, which was where they said, oh... A Bulbasaur that grows up in the forest, of course, he's going to have a bulb, like a typical Bulbasaur. But a Bulbasaur that grows up in the desert, he's probably going to have a cacti or a succulent on his back instead of a bulb. And a Bulbasaur that grows by the ocean will probably have something, you know, that's more uh, tendril-like to mimic seaweed or lily pads if it's by the swamp. And that became such a popular thing that people were doing that Pokemon actually took that idea and input it into the main series games. So now regional variants are a commonplace thing. It's fantastic and fans love it. So I think in that moment, fans saw a gap in the idea of what could be done in the concept. And they went, wouldn't it be cool if they did this? And then the creators went, you're so in sync with the idea of what we're doing and we missed this. So we're going to go and put it in because that's a great fucking idea. And You're then- right. You're right. And I mean, E.L. James made a whole career out of writing um, Twilight fan fiction that got turned into Fifty Shades of Grey. So if she can do it. You know, anybody can do it. I don't think do that I'm ever going to see the characters from Smallville go to a place like Silent Hill, which is the story that I wrote. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's weirder shit has happened. Fan fiction has been uh, a staple form of expression for as long as the internet has been around. You said before you don't really engage with it as much anymore, but I want to question, do you feel like you have outgrown fiction? I wouldn't say I've outgrown fiction. Um, I, I did start with fan fiction years ago off a website, which is strictly just erotica, and it would be like, Somebody did a story having sex with John Cena. Somebody did the entire Riverdale cast was going at it. I, I still go back to it, but I don't think there's ever going to be a point where me writing fiction or any form of anything oh, yeah. else is really outgrown. I understand what you're saying. Like there are some uh, fan fictions that I still return to, despite the fact that I read them years and years ago. And like, I don't know if I'm proud to admit it, but um, there was a Smallville and I, I don't know why I was so fixated on Smallville for so long. I think it was because I had such a crush on Tom Welling, but you know, so any bit of Smallville fan fiction I could consume, I did. And I read a really hokey series that was actually an M. Preg story. <laughs> But it was really romantic and I think that's what grabbed me because like I liked the romance, not necessarily the fact that it was also like an Mpreg fetish story. (laughs) But it was a series that just kept going and I kept reading it and I'll still go back and read it occasionally. So we have actually got a couple of listener questions if you would be interested. Of course. Tim, do you want to take the lead on these ones? Sure. Um, so first question is how have people's tastes in gainer fiction themes changed over the years that i'm not sure i would assume it's probably taken more of a technological leap with it whereas everything at least that i've read was more so just in person you never had to worry about like anything on the computer whereas now it's probably taken more of a like 
mentions more like Patreon, OnlyFans. It probably mentions some variation of grammar because you really can't mention grammar at any point online. Um, it's probably just taking a bigger leap to more current day tones, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've noticed any specific trends, but then again, I haven't really been consuming like a lot of gainer fiction. Like uh, when Tumblr was still alive and well, I would scroll through there and there'd be quite a few stories that you could read. And some of them were like in the fantastic sort of um, instantaneous weight gain vein and some of them were more pedestrian. I don't know. I feel like there's always going to be a mix of those two things because some people want to craft a story that takes months or years for the person to reach the ideal weight. And some people want to see someone rapidly expand and burst out of their clothes and you know all that stuff. So I feel like it's always going to be kind of a mixed bag. I feel like the sort of wave of things, like you sort of start with Warren Davis, where things, like you say, are a bit fantastical. And then I think sort of a lot of the porn or erotic fiction, I should say, that I would come across, like I say, with Lardville was very like extreme stuff. And the sort of newer things I see people posting about a lot today is very like ex-jock focused. Like I think it still sticks around there, you know, people who, whether they gain a lot or not, you know, it, it does seem the theme is very like, the jock and its university and it's those things taking a going going in that kind of direction you know yeah i can at least say a lot of what i've still been seeing still sticks to the same themes um x jock the whole revenge thing i i try not to write a lot of the whole revenge fattening because i feel like it kind of sets a weird tone where it's like oh you're hot with abs and the worst thing you can possibly have is like an extra 150 pounds on you not a crack addiction so <laughs> Good point. Uh, we have another question that is, what is one plot element of gainer fiction that when you see it, you stop reading immediately? Uh, at least for me, again, it's still the whole, if it brings up health issues, no, because it's taking me out of it too much. Like obviously in real life, it's a thing we've got to think about, especially as our weight keeps going or whatever we put on our bodies. I don't need to keep reading about it. I get lectures from my grandmother once a week. I don't need it in my porn um the blueberry thing i don't get into it's just something i've never been one to get into past just watching the movie it doesn't not to sound judgmental because i'm really not it hasn't done for me what it used to do when i was a kid where i would legit hold a stick of bubble gum in my hand until that moment then i'd start chewing um there's that and then i think massive extreme gaining is also one of the things i don't do a lot of reading. Once it hits that certain point where the what they're describing is basically a person who really is no longer a shape, it's just fat going everywhere, that's when I, I, I kind of just stop. I don't know if there's any specific elements that really will just make me stop. I mean, it just, I guess it, it depends on how extreme it is because like I'm not personally into the stomach gurgling noises and the farting and, you know, if it includes scat, which is a no-no for me. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think I've read any stories thus far that where I'm just like, ah, oh, no, I can't keep reading this. Yeah, I think my thing also is if it gets, like you said, like with scat or gas, once it gets too dirty, I'm also not into it anymore. Ironically, a lot of the things, I, I mean anymore, not in general, um, but one of the things I makes me quickly stop reading a story, not to sound like a literary snob, it's all how it's presented. Like I've tried reading a lot of stories on just regular erotica websites and game erotica websites where the entire story is one paragraph. Like I, I physically can't do it because it's 
I know it's not always the author's fault because Kindle, a lot of the times when I post my book there, they've screwed with the formatting so much. I can't read my own stuff anymore. So honestly, formatting is one of the bigger turnoffs for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, yeah, not to be like a, a classist asshole who's all about like English literature, but like, could you, personal request, could you all just like run a spell check? <laughs> just uh, could you just... I'm so guilty of that at least in my last book I had some I had a really nice guy on Instagram write me he's like do you know how many spelling errors you have in your book I'm like well I've read it my boyfriend's an English professor he's read it I don't think I have that many he sent me like 50 screenshots I'm like shit one of them was the title in the second page I somehow misspelled one of those I, I'm too guilty of it I, I suck at proofreading so do I so do I I once wrote a small fan fiction and I have this, I don't know what it is about me. I can, for some reason, I cannot look at the term loser and like, or look at the word loser and like spell it properly. Because for some reason, when I see L-O-S-E-R in my brain, it says losser, you know? So I always want to put an extra O in that word and then it becomes looser. And, like, and in one paragraph, I misspelled loser so much that somebody commented they're like dude you're spelling loser wrong and i'm like all right that's it i'm not i can't do this <laughs> i suck <clears throat> i can't proofread my stuff i i think my descriptions are good my biggest issue is i hate my dialogue no matter how good the dialogue is i i can't read it because it sounds like a five-year-old has written it. it it's awful dialogue is tricky dialogue is very it's it's not as easy as people think it is and I even think about that when it comes to films. Like I've honestly, besides the fact that like Quentin Tarantino edits his films in strange ways, I think he has a real gift for, for writing dialogue. And that's why I like his films. It's hard to write, especially like if it's a character that you can't identify with or a character you don't know anything about, you know? No, that makes sense. I think um, something that I've done in the past is I tend to just like, show it to people who I trust to get their feedback. And this is probably a good example of things like any project you do, whether it's writing, art, music, cooking, anything that you do in life in general. I think this is good advice. Find people in your life who you trust to give you frank and honest feedback. Yes, they will compliment you and tell you when your shit is good. But if you ask them, please look into this and tell me if there is this particular issue, please read through this and tell me if this meets certain criteria. You need people who are going to, one, commit to doing that, and two, sit you down and set you straight. If you if what you've made is shit, they need to be in a position to tell you, babe, you missed the mark on this one. And I think that's good for all of us to have. Someone that can basically take what you do, look at it through a very objective lens and go, yeah, let's have a chat and let's, let, at the very least, let me provide you that feedback. So... I think that's a, a good bit of suggestion there. Uh, listener question. Um, how does gainer fiction impact expectations and what can we do to keep our expectations healthy and sane while still creating an enjoyable, exciting gainer fiction? I think to a certain extent, you have to realize either if you're writing it or reading it, fiction is still fiction. Not all of it is going to be exact. Like my thing when I first started writing gainer fiction, I was maybe 204 pounds. So a lot of the body types I would write about were the ones, ooh, I would emulate those. 
but then you realize you're not going to grow to look like SF gut muscle exactly because your body's not going to be the same as his. Same with Gainer Picnic, same with you guys, where I always thought, oh yeah, I'm just going to be all strictly belly, which is what I was fine with. And then at 253, I'm like, this can't be it. This is not what I thought 250 was going to look like, at least especially in my writing. 250 was always like soccer ball in your shirt, like just dome. And then no, like I'm still having issues with expectations, writing or reading it where I'm like, oh, well, that's not me at this point. Okay, fine. Fuck it. But yeah, I will say to a certain extent, you have to kind of curb your expectations with it. If you're trying to emulate it, realize you're not going to look like this person. You're not going to look like this description, but you can still have fun with it. Because like my thing, which I wanted to say earlier was you can read all the gainer fiction you want. And of course, you know, like we said, you can't eat six pizzas in one sitting. I can't do more than five boosts without gagging. All the way to get there, you probably can't emulate, but your end status is still going to be the same. You're still going to gain like 50 pounds. It won't be by whatever feat you see in the most realistic or fantasy gainer fiction, but you're still going to get there at, at the end point. Hmm. Here's a question for you. What is the most important thing for a budding author to consider when it comes to writing erotic gainer fiction? Don't write for your audience. You really have to write what you know. So at least for me, I had read so much. I knew kind of where I could go with it. I knew my strengths with writing and I knew what I wasn't into. So I think I once got asked if I could commit, if they could commission a lore story. And I only said no, because I haven't read enough of it. And I also am not totally into it to where I feel like I could do it justice. You really have to write for you, make it as good as you want it, write whatever you want. And then when you post it, just let that be it. Don't try to write to a certain audience when you're doing it. That makes perfect sense. So, Matthew, I think it would be really good of us if we took some time uh, here near the end of our podcast episode this week to talk about you. Talk about you and all of your work, because we said before and we've said it throughout that you do write your own fiction. And I thought now might be a good time for us to uh, have a little bit of a chit chat about that. Sure. So tell us a little bit about your personal history, what you've done, and maybe if you're working on anything in the near future. Oh. Make sure that's, yep, that's done. Cool. Sorry, I'll repeat that. So Matthew, tell us a little bit about the things that you've done and uh, maybe if you're working on something. Sure. So a lot of what I still have as far as writing, it's still on my Tumblr. Um, it's under uh, stories worth their weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, just for that dumb little pun. Um, a lot of them are still there. I've been doing it, I think, for three or four years at max. Um, they're all still there. I think I've got, and I'm not bragging, I've got like maybe 75 ranging from little blips, full stories, I did a really ambitious feat where I did a 24 hours of gaining chunk where basically 24 dudes sent me shirtless pics. I wrote a page of stories before it and they were one posted after the other for 24 hours. I'm never doing it again. That was way too damn ambitious. No, Um, those are still there. 
what I've been doing more recently is I've got two books out on Amazon. Uh, one is Stories Worth Their Weight, Volume One. The second, if I'm not having a serious blind moment, is Hefty Wishes and Big Consequences or Big Wishes and Hefty Consequences. Um, they're both short stories, one giant story cut into chunks. I've got interviews with gainers, encouragers, all the like in both books. Uh, those you can find easily if you're on Amazon, just type in Matthew Langston. I only have two of the right there. Those have been out first one about two and a half years, the second about a year. And what I'm working on now, which I'm excited with, I've got two projects. Oh, one you can really thank Desmic and I think it's Jazzman90. I'm having a serious moment where they had met up and one had sent me a photo. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, if you take a little gainer under their wing, that's a good story right there. So I've been planning that for about a week. Don't know where that's going to go because I don't know how it's ending. So eventually it'll be out there. And I think that might be my first full scale regular book. No interviews, no Tumblr story revisits, strictly just as one story on Amazon. So that don't expect it anytime soon, but it'll be there. And then the second project, which I'm really excited about, if I can pull it off as well as I want to, it's not written by me. It's no fiction. It's strictly talking with gainers about the shit they've been through. How did they find the community? Like almost some of the basic questions, how they find the community, um, what's their daily life like, how has their weight impacted their daily life, but then also the more serious shit like what issue do you find in the gainer community? And one guy had brought up the blatant uh, racism in the community where a lot of the white guys follow only white guys and they've got like the customary two people of color in there. So he brought that up. Um, a lot of more serious questions I'm forgetting right now, but really trying to make it not what I've had in the past with just the basic 20 gaining questions, but actually give people a chance to use their voice, share the shit that bugs them, that intrigues them, that makes this community great, makes their journey great. And then eventually hopefully branch off to not just gainers, but bloaters, strictly encouragers. Why did you maintain? Why did you lose? How hard is it gaining weight with diabetes? And then my last chunk will be bigger guys who aren't in the community, but who are strictly body positivity, being bigger dudes, knowing they're sexy, they own their sexiness, like them being big is not stopping them in any sort. So I'm still working on that. I've got to believe, I've written 20 something people. I've got about five answers in. So I'm still looking to get a good chunk put together for this book that I will say, if I get it done, should be out in about a year. Awesome. Are you still looking for submissions for this book for people to interview, people to answer questions? I'd say I am. I know, like I said, I've written about 20 and I know everybody has their own shit going on in life. So I'm not kicking anybody out thus far. It's just, I am still looking for different narratives. So if it helps, I've gotten, I've written about 20 gainers. I'm still looking for like people who still fall, fall under the gainer umbrella as far as bloaters, maintainers, people who have lost after reaching whatever their goal weight was. Anybody who's got like an intriguing story about their journey, something with the community, they can always hit me up. Like I'm always ready for people to talk to me about it and see what we can do. Even if it's not included in the book, 
I can still find a way to get your message out there, whether on Instagram or Tumblr, that way, you know, you're being heard and it can at least start a conversation. Which one was I in? Because I'm sorry, I can't remember. <laughs> um, you, I think, I believe you were in the second one, the okay. uh, big wishes and healthy consequences of okay. Genie. We, uh, we did an interview on Skype, I think for about two nights. Yeah. Well, there you go then. And, you know, with that said, where can people find you on the internet, Matthew? So I am on Instagram under Matthew Langston 2.0. I'm there. I'm on Tumblr. Stories worth their weight. I think that's it. I've tried my hand at Twitter. I hate Twitter. Eventually, I might get back on grammar, but my thing is a lot of, I'm not blasting about it. A lot of people don't talk to you once they figure out you're in a relationship because they don't get off the whole sexual aspect of everything. So I'm more so on those and I'm always up for messages. I just don't, as of now, don't want to branch off anywhere else. It's, yeah. it's too much work. Well, that's fair and understandable, but I want to say a big thank you for joining us this week and telling us about the things you're working on, sharing your thoughts and feelings. Thank you so very much. No, thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Oh, well. That's a wrap for now here on Thick Radio. Please remember to like and subscribe, rate us five stars and leave a good review. If you like this episode, the podcast, or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. As always, you can find me on Grommer, Instagram and TikTok at Stanham and Twitter and YouTube at StanhamG. And you can find me on Grommer as Orpheus. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, youtube and tiktok at thicky mouse and of course you can find more of what we've talked about today on instagram twitter tiktok and patreon at thick radio so until next time bye fats bye fats let's talk about it Radio is a Patreon and Enter app podcast produced by Stan and Dickie Mouse. Next and Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Lucky Two. Our theme song is provided by Bonnie Fighter.